0: Hey empty nexters, it's Lisa and you're listening to What's Next with Lisa. Today is June 24th, 2020, and welcome to my second installment of the relationship series that we are doing all week. This is the second installment. If you missed the first one on Monday, I did a compilation of the top five questions that you guys asked me via email and Instagram and Twitter. I took the top five questions that I seem to be getting the most of and I went ahead and did a full QA session. And so that's episode 13. If you missed that, check it out. If you have questions or concerns or things you'd like me to address regarding relationships, we'll be doing this all week. So email me at what's next with Lisa at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at what's next with Lisa. Send me a DM. Ask me your questions or give me your feedback. If you've got a a show topic that you'd like to see me address or hear me address, send me that. I want to know. I'm doing this for you guys. So before we get into today's question and answers, let's kick it off with the official what's next question and answer. Hey, what's next? Hey, what's next? What's next? Hey, what's next? Hey, what's next? Okay, empty nexters. Let's get this going. We have a question here from episode 13 and in episode 13, like I said, I answered five of the top questions I was hearing a lot from. In the first question um that I that I talked about was somebody asked me, "How do they know if they are in a narcissistic or they're dating a narcissist? How if they're in that kind of relationship?" And I gave a pretty short answer on some qualities of that person and how you may be feeling in that relationship. And so this question comes from that. And the question is, hey, Lisa, I think I might have just gotten out of a narcissistic relationship. How do I even begin to start to heal from the emotional abuse that this relationship has caused me? And That's a really fair, valid question and it's one that I take seriously because if you were truly in an emotionally abusive relationship with a narcissist, that's not easy work. And the further you get away from that relationship, the more some things are probably going to come up where you realize either what was I thinking or I'm really hurt about that or gosh, my self-worth is really in the tank here. And it kind of hits you without even knowing it because when you're in a relationship like that you go into survival mode and you go into survival mode to usually keep them happy to keep yourself safe and it isn't until you get out of it that you really start to see how damaging that can be and I'm going to start by telling you that even when you know deep down that this is a bigger thing than you and that they were the abuser and it's not your fault. It's natural to doubt yourself after you leave these relationships. It's really hard to emotionally connect with the fact that they caused so much damage to you when you worked so hard to love them. And so it's hard a lot of times to shake those good moments or to shake the things that you thought were good. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't take away from the good stuff. There probably were good things and it's okay to remember them as good. You don't have to throw the whole thing out. But, you know, as you start to remove yourself from these relationships and you get further away, the first thing I want you doing is, number one, acknowledging and accepting that you just got out of an emotional, emotionally abusive relationship. And I think you're going to probably feel some denial and you're going to try to protest that. But being in denial about it or trying to explain it away isn't going to get you further along on your pathway of healing. So the first thing I want you to do is say, I just got out of an emotionally abusive relationship. This is a big deal. And I need to work on getting back to myself. I will say that being said, having compassion for that person that's choosing to live their life that way, that's okay too. Again, there it's not one or the other that you have to feel here. If this person was really important to you, it's okay to have compassion for them and how they're choosing to treat people and live their lives. That's not a good way to live. The second thing I want you to do is to start thinking about making a plan for setting boundaries. So if they contact you, which odds are they will, um, I want you to think about what you need and what your priorities are with this communication. So... For example, if they say, please just talk to me and you're inclined to do it, if you're feeling safe enough to do that, maybe you could say something like, okay, I'm willing to talk to you, but if you name call or start yelling at me, I'm done. And you've got to set those boundaries right out of the gate. And odds are, if they're narcissistic, they're going to push back on that or they're going to play the game of, oh, I won't, I won't until they hear something they don't like. So you need to be prepared for what boundaries you want to set and stand in that power. That's okay. Um, The other thing I would recommend is if you are going to communicate with this person to really minimize any personal information that you share with them because odds are they're going to use it for manipulation and fuel. And that's just a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down and it's going to keep you further away from healing I think the third thing you have to do is just settle in and prepare yourself for the range of emotions that you're about to feel. There's going to be fear, anxiety, probably a little paranoia. There's going to be sadness and heartbreak and probably a lot of disbelief over the fact that this relationship actually just happened. And like I said, the further you get away from it, the more these things are going to creep in. And so what I want you to do is just set yourself up to say, I'm going to feel what I need to feel. It's all valid and I'm learning to live again without this person in my life telling me who I should be or what's wrong with me. So settle in for that range of emotions. There's probably going to be a lot of them and that's okay. The fourth thing I want you to focus on is, this is the exciting one, reclaiming you. I want you to get excited about exploring and rebuilding the relationship with yourself. You know, you've got to be soft with yourself and compassionate with, you, with yourself as you heal. And a lot of you may not even know really who you are anymore because you're so used to being in this abusive cycle that you tend to disconnect and lose yourself. And it isn't until you actually have some power over your choices and who you want to be and letting that be more than enough that you start to really get excited about making those choices again. And so, Take all your beautiful qualities back. Take all the things that they tried to take away from you or make you feel shame about. And I want you to take your power back and say, this is me and I love it. If you don't know where to start, that's okay. It's okay. Be patient with yourself. Write things down. You know, think about who was I before this? Who do I want to be now? You're in the driver's seat and that's exciting. So get excited about that opportunity. And You know, the last thing that I kind of that I want to talk about is I want you to understand that the feelings that you have for this person might be really confusing because they have a tendency to hang on. And when you've been emotionally manipulated for any amount of time, you learn to second guess yourself really quickly. So I want you to be prepared for that and understand that if you have feelings that are hanging on for them about maybe the good things or the things you thought were good, that's okay. You still have to grieve this relationship. You're allowed to grieve a relationship that wasn't healthy because it was still a big part of your life and it mattered to you. So allow yourself the opportunity to grieve what you need to. And one final note before we move on to today's question and answer. If you're really struggling with the the adverse effects or the effects of this emotional abuse and it's just not something that you feel supported or empowered enough to work through on your own, reach out and try to find a therapist. A lot of times, even just a few sessions with a therapist can really help you start to organize and process a lot of the confusion and shame that comes along with these narcissistic, emotionally abusive relationships. And don't forget to take care of yourself. Love yourself and connect to your self-worth. You are worthy of more than you got. So I hope that helps let's get going today Uh, but before we do just a reminder email me at what's next with Lisa at gmail.com if you have questions concerns or feedback I want to know what they are and I'd love to either address them with you personally or address them on the podcast so let's get going we're gonna do um, this is the second episode in my relationship series and I had such great feedback from all of you we're actually going to do another Q&A session today so, the first question that I got, dear Lisa, I hear a lot about gaslighting. What is it really when it comes to a relationship? And I think that that is another sort of buzzword term that we hear a lot of today, or we see a lot of on social media as well. And so, you know, gaslighting is a form of manipulation. And, um, It's actually a term, it's a specific kind of manipulation where the abuser actually starts to make you question your sanity. So they are manipulating with the intent to make you question your reality or how you see things in an attempt to deflect from them. We see this a lot with narcissists. And the, the difference between this and just a general term of manipulation is that this has a specific intent to make you question your reality. So if you're in a relationship, a lot of people ask me, well, how do I know if I'm being gaslighted? If you're in a relationship and you do a self-check-in and you find that you are constantly second-guessing yourself when deep down your gut and your intuition are telling you something isn't right, but after your partner speaks to you, you start to question your own reality consistently, you tend to apologize quickly and say, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, even though deep down you know um, that you're probably not you that's that can be an example or signs to look for when we talk about gaslighting and you know it's it technically speaking is a form of psychological manipulation and People are really sly when they do this. They obviously don't want to be really overt about it. They're much more covert behind the scenes and they are trying to get you to question your reality, your perception of memories, um, and it's usually always with something serious, uh, with big things where somebody wants to get their way or make you second guess yourself. So That's the quick and easy on gaslighting. I hope that's helpful for you. The next question um, that I received says, Hey Lisa, I shut down if my boyfriend comes to me with something that I did he doesn't like. Or I've also noticed lately if he's having a bad day and he's venting, I can feel myself shutting down and I don't know how to respond. What is that? Okay. So that could be a lot of different things and my disclaimer is without seeing you in my office it's definitely difficult to say precisely what's going on but I can tell you generally speaking if you shut down or feel yourself going inward or wanting to shut down when somebody is angry or talking to you about something they need or maybe you had done something that hurt them. There's a couple of things that are probably going on. I want you to check in with yourself and I want you to think about your history, your family history, your relationship history, and see how you are used to anger being expressed. And if it's usually a blame game or accusatory, you might automatically go on the defensive and go on the attack and shut down in a sense to not have to deal with it because you feel like you're being attacked. Um, or, if, for example, when your boyfriend's venting, how is he venting? Is he yelling and screaming and you're taking that personally? Do you need him to talk to you versus talk at you? That could be something that's going on here. Um, the other thing that I would recommend, and I recommend this to a lot of my couples in private practice when they feel themselves shutting down and be and responding to or reacting to someone's behavior. So that could be their tone, their if they're yelling, um, or if they feel really tense. If you're responding to that behavior, I would challenge you to just pause for a second and say, how can I respond to the emotion behind this? So for example, if your boyfriend's venting, his behavior might look tense and stressed, but the emotion behind it could be, I've just had a really bad day and need a hug or need you to listen to me. And so it's, it can be difficult to decipher the two, but if you feel yourself consistently shutting down in areas where you think, why am I even shutting down? This isn't a big deal think about your history with anger. Think about how it was expressed in your household. If it's something that your subconscious brain is saying you better protect yourself, try to separate those experiences between your family or past relationships with your current boyfriend. And also be mindful of responding to the emotion and trying to validate the emotion versus the behavior. Now, That being said, that doesn't mean that you don't need to set a boundary and call somebody out if they are yelling and aggressive and name-calling. That needs to be called out because that's not acceptable. So that might sound something like, I hear that you're really upset and I want to try to support you and listen to you, but you're yelling at a place that's making me not feel good or not feel safe. Can you talk to me instead of talking at me? Um, So you still need to set boundaries, but a lot of times it's really about trying to peek through that behavior and look at the emotion behind something and see if you can meet that emotional need. I hope that helps. Okay, empty nexters, question number three. Hi, Lisa. Anytime my boyfriend wants to help me, I get really uncomfortable with it and I tend to lash out and he says it makes him feel bad. How do I avoid this and how how do I become open to letting him help me? Okay. This is a good question and this is one that I see a lot in private practice. People if you have a history of trying to be the helper or the pleaser throughout your life, you might have experienced kind of like this unbalanced give and take in your life and so you have found worth in being the helper and being independent. I'll figure it out on my own, right? Giving yourself your own self-reliance. And so when you get into an intimate relationship where somebody wants to help you and go above and beyond for you, you're really uncomfortable with accepting that help. And here's why usually. You're uncomfortable with accepting that help because you have attached your self-worth to being able to do it on your own. And that doesn't mean that you're not strong and independent and capable it's that you're uncomfortable letting somebody else it threatens that independence or that confidence and worth if you let somebody else help you and I can tell you that there's value in being self-reliant and independent and knowing exactly who you are knowing you're capable but if you're choosing to be in a committed relationship and you have somebody saying I want to help you you're right, it does feel bad when you lash out and say I can do it on my own. I don't need you. You're right. You probably don't need him, but wouldn't it be nice to want him and to let him love you? And so maybe that's how he shows his love for you. Maybe he shows love by doing and helping and so there's got to be a give and take and I'm not saying let go of all your independence. I'm saying push through that that self-identity of being the helper or self-reliant to let somebody in. And it is going to feel uncomfortable at first because it's questioning a lot of your history and a lot of what you've built your self-worth and your your single world around is being independent. And I'm not saying you've got to let them do everything, but maybe just try one thing and understand that that is going to feel uncomfortable at first, but that doesn't make you any less independent and strong or any less worthy. It just means that you're allowing somebody you trust in to help you and it's going to make him feel good. And if you do it enough, I think it's going to start to make you feel good and to feel value in that relationship because relationships are a give and take, right? It's a contract for lack of a better term where both people are getting their needs met. If you're just meeting all your own needs all the time and you're shutting him out to ever helping you there's not a lot of value in it for him because he feels powerless and doesn't know how to reach you. So be mindful of that and get self-aware that if you have a tendency to connect your self-worth to being able to do things on your own, that could be what's happening here. Okay, Empty Nexters, next question. Dear Lisa, I can't bring myself to get out of my relationship with my girlfriend. When I think about breaking up with her, I think that it's going to hurt her and I'm trying to avoid that. How should I approach this? Okay, so it's a valid question and before I get into the details of it, I want to go through some reasons why we tend to stay in relationships that no longer serve us or that we shouldn't be in and not wanting to hurt the other person is definitely one of the top ones that I hear and I will say give yourself a little bit of grace here because to me that just means that you're a good person and you don't want to hurt her and that's that's extremely honorable um she's not a bad person probably just not your person and but I want to Talk through the pitfalls of how this thinking can hurt both of you actually in the long run. Number one, if you don't want to be with her anymore, you're holding yourself back from finding the person that you do want to be with and you're sustaining or surviving in a relationship that doesn't feel good anymore. But number two, you're not doing her any favors either because if you don't want to be with her, she allows the same opportunity to go out and find somebody who wants to be with her that can give her 100% of themselves. And so it's really not fair to either of you. And while I understand the concern and the hesitancy saying this is really going to hurt somebody, it's going to hurt more in the long run if you continue to invest more time in something that's not giving – either of you a real return on investment you know some of the other reasons we tend to stay in relationships longer than we should is that we worry we'll end up alone and I always say never let loneliness lower your standards you guys you might be alone for a while that being said though if your end game or your ultimate goal is to find somebody to share your life with it's just fact that you're gonna date people that aren't your long-term person And so this is part of the process, and you've got to get comfortable with ending things when you know it's time and trusting your gut. Um, I think a lot of times people don't trust themselves to make that decision. They think, what if it's the wrong decision? Maybe I should just stay and see if it feels better. I'll tell you nine times out of ten, that doesn't happen. Your gut and your intuition are usually right on the money when you know it's time to go, especially if you feel like you've tried a lot of things. Or maybe you just don't have feelings for that person like you thought you had in the beginning. And that's okay, that doesn't make anybody a bad person. But each person is worthy of moving forward to find somebody that can be their person. The other one I see a lot is that people are afraid that their friends will judge them or they'll lose friends. I mean, it's human nature when we're in close friend groups to want to kind of pick a side or find out what happened. And I think you just need to expect that. I think you need to conduct yourself with class and dignity and self respect. And if people don't understand why you had to end a relationship, they don't need to. So. It's not their life or their relationship, and it's not your responsibility to manage other people's reactions. If you're staying in a relationship for other people or what other people may think, you're the one that's losing. And the person that you are holding hostage, for lack of a better term, in a relationship you don't want to be in, they're losing as well. People will come around. The right people will stay in your life. You've got to be brave enough to push through that and say, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I am scared of the unknown, but I do know that this is not where I need to be. Um, You know, one of the other reasons I hear a lot too is people feel almost a sense of duty or loyalty to the person if you spend a lot of time with them and you think, oh gosh, they won't be okay if I go or I'm worried about them if I go and If that's the case, I want you to check in with yourself and say, am I in a codependent relationship? Um, It's okay to have concerns or to worry about a person that you're not going to see every day if you're used to seeing them. That being said, though, they're responsible for them and you're responsible for you and you're not doing anybody good staying in a place where you don't need to be. And so those are the top reasons I think I find that people stay longer than they should and they're very valid, guys. Ending a relationship is scary. But if you know it's time to go, you've got to push through that discomfort and go and let everybody be free to find their person. Okay, guys, last question. Hey, Lisa, I've been dating somebody for a few months, and I think I'm ready to introduce her to my parents. Do you have any tips on how much time you should be dating before you introduce them to your family? okay (laughs) I think that this is going to be different for everybody and I know it's really natural and normal to get excited with a new relationship and want to introduce them to your family and so my best advice would be to have a have a discussion with the person you're dating and I mean have you had a discussion on where things stand or it could be something nonchalant too like hey you know, my mom's coming into town, would you like to meet her? Give your person the option. And remember that they're responsible for telling you if they feel like it's too soon or they're not quite ready for that. If you're talking about, like, making a trip out of it and traveling across the country, and which is a big deal or a holiday or family gathering, I think the same advice applies. Ask your person what they think. And I think it's important that you can be vulnerable enough to say – I've really enjoyed spending time together and I'd love for you to meet my family. What do you think about that? Pretty easy. Open it up and let them decide um, if they feel comfortable because, of course, their safety and comfort is important to you. So just communicate. You've got this. I don't think there's a specific time. I think it's up to each couple to figure out what works and feels good to them. So that's it, guys second installment of our relationship Q&A. Uh, next episode is going to be on Friday. That's episode 15. And I think I'm actually going to get into communication and relationships, pitfalls, things to look for, um, better ways to communicate, more efficient ways to communicate. And so we'll run those down and make sure that you are communicating efficiently on Friday. Don't forget, empty nexters, today is a perfect day to ask yourselves, what's next? See ya.